this is the Urban Hope Podcast. Today's sermon is from the Ten Commandments, Remember the Sabbath Day and Keep It Holy, Exodus 21 through 11 and 18 through 20, from Pastor Alton Hardy. Thank you, thank you, um, praise team. Thank you for everyone here this morning. We like to read the word of God here at Urban Hope Community Church, and we like to stand in honor of God's word, so please stand. And in front of you, you should have a Bible, a pew Bible. This is where I'll be preaching from. Um, we don't entertain here at Urban Hope Community Church. If you want to entertain her, go get an R&B singer. I'm not an R&B singer. <laughs> My job is to preach the word of God and to prepare you faultless before the one in whom you and I and all of us will stand in front of one day. If you don't want to know anything else, uh, one day your eyes were closed and you don't want to be on the wrong side. And so we're in the teaching to the Ten Commandments. And in your pew Bible, it should be page 72. And we're in Exodus 20, page 72, starting with verse 1. And we're going to read to verse 11. And then we're going to jump down to verses 18 to 20. Should be up on the screen as well. Here we go. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters under the earth, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I am the Lord your God, I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord would not hold you guiltless who takes his name in vain. Verse 8, this is my assignment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Verses 18 to 20. And now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us, and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that you fear of him may be before you and that you may not sin. The grass withers and the flowers fade. You may be seated. A few minutes ago, we gave witness to the sacrament of baptism. And there are two sacraments that the king and head of the church, which is Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God, that he has assigned for us, the people of God, to carry out until he returns. And the other sacrament is the Lord's Supper. A sacrament as defined in the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Some of you know what that is. It's a teaching. Dion expressed some of that. 
Here's what they define as a sacrament. It is a holy ordinance instituted by Christ in which by perceivable signs, things that you can see and touch, you can see the water. The children could feel the water. It was lukewarm. It was not hot nor cold. We didn't want to freeze them out. Perceivable signs. Christ and the benefits of the new covenant are represented, sealed, and applied to believers. The God of the Bible has always, he has always communicated to his people from Genesis to Revelation with perceivable covenant signs. And he gave these covenant signs to display in tangible ways and in a physical form the promises that he would keep himself. We fickle, we fall down. God never fails. He never gives up. He's perfect in love. He's committed to what he's called you and I to do. And so he gives us these signs to remind us, to remind us of these things and his promises. Chad mentioned some of this with these covenant signs. He gave the rainbow. I know this is the month of June. They're trying to claim it. But he gave it to Moses. He gave it to Noah as a sign that he would, do not, he would not destroy all flesh or mankind by a flood again. We know that God flooded the whole world. Only eight were saved. When, Mo, when Noah came from the ark, God gave him the rainbow. He said, I will never do that again. And then he gave to Father Abraham the sign of circumcision, which Chad explained to everyone that was born in the household and the promise that he would be a father of a great multitude of nations and that God would establish between him and his offspring after him. And we know that that sign was the sign of circumcision. And then later on, the children of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, God saw them groaning and suffering in Egypt. God had already told Abraham, he said, hey, know this, that your offspring will be in bondage for 430 years in a nation. He didn't name the nation, but we know the nation today is Egypt. And God saw them groaning and suffering. And the word of God says, and God remembered his covenant promise. That's what we want for our children. It's what we're parents are professing. God, that when our children grow and they're in a world of fallenness and all the crazy music, that you would remember your covenant. That you would come when they're groaning in their sin and their decadence because they will do that. They will Give heed to the world occasionally. Listen to the lies of the devil. But we pray that God will look over the, over the barrier of heaven and see all of our children and our grandchildren. He would come as he did to the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he delivered them out of the bondage and slavery of Egypt. Which now in our text brings us to Exodus 20 where we see God giving the Ten Commandments. God brought the people out of Egypt. He delivered them by the strong hand of his great power. In the first place he brought them as they were in the wilderness, he brought them to Mount Sinai to give to them these Ten Commandments, to teach them about his character, who he was, that he was not like them, that he was holy. He says, don't take my name in vain. Don't be going around saying, on God, on my mama. You can say, on your mama, as Noah preached last week, 
God said, leave me out of that. I'm holy. I am the one that holds your breath. I am the one that gives life to you. Don't play with my name. I am Yahweh. I am the one who is and was and is to come. I am not to be played with. So God was teaching his people. I'm holy. Moses met him in Exodus 3. God says, take off your sandals. If he would come to us today, he would say, take off your J's. Take off your Jordans. Take off them socks as well. The place you're standing is holy. I think Christians forget that, who God is. So he brought the people out. They were just like all the other people, had the same sin problem as the Canaanites and the Amorites. And he brings them to the Mount Sinai. We've preached the first three, and now we come to the fourth commandment. We know that the fourth commandment, it is unique in itself because it is the only commandment out of all the ten that doesn't start with their prohibition. Thou shalt not do this. But it calls for us to exhort to remember something. And this Hebrew word here, to remember, it means to call to mind, be remembered, be thought of, be brought to mind. Now, this is very interesting because it makes the point that this is not the first time that the Hebrews have heard of this terminology. They've heard it before. Called the Sabbath. Turn in your Bible, pew Bible, for those of you who have one in your hand and those who have your own Bible on your phones, turn to page 69, Exodus 16. Because this is not the first time that the children of Israel have heard this terminology about the Sabbath. That's just why God says, remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. We're in Exodus 16, started verse 22. I'm going to go to verse 31. God has the people out of Egypt now. He's bringing them on this journey to the promised land. And it says in verse 22, it says, and on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread Sixth day is what day? It is Friday. So God says, get more on the sixth day because on the seventh day, I don't want anybody working. So let's read. He says, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two almonds each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord God has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest. A holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And, on, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them. And as it did not stink and there were no worms in it. And Moses said, eat it today for today is a Sabbath day to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. Verse 27. And on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather. Disobedient. That's what Christians are. We're just, we have the propensity to just to disobey God. God says get married. Nah, I don't want to get married, Lord. <laughs> nah, I don't want all that. <laughs> He says, don't go out and do anything on the seventh day. And look what the scripture says. And on the seventh day, some of the people went out together. They pretended like they didn't even hear Moses. They gave Moses the hand. Peace out, bro. Chad named his son Moses. I hope he knows what Moses is getting himself into. And they found none, and the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments 
and my laws. Verse 29. See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place and let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. So what do you think they were doing on the day of rest? Great question, Pastor. Turn to page 84, 85, Exodus 31, starting at verse 12. So, Pastor, what are they doing? What are, they, are they just sitting around looking at each other, watching Netflix, Amazon Prime, at a football game, at Auburn getting beat by Alabama, the road tie? That's for the Granger family. Roll tie. Everybody say roll tie. <laughs> Pastor, what are, they, what are they doing on the day that they're resting? Well, here in Exodus 31, verse 12, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbath. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. Remember I talk about God gives signs, covenant signs. He gave Noah, Abraham, and now all of Israel. He says, this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. That you may know that I am the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. So now God says, remember the first time he told them, they went out. Now the Lord says, if you break it now, you can get amnesia if you want to. You can pretend like God is like your grandmother and your mama. He may be stuttering. God's, oh no, Yahweh said, I don't stutter. You go out on that Sabbath day, I've told Moses and all the elders and the leaders to do what? Kill them. Stone them. See, Yahweh is turning up the heat. He said, hey, you go out now if on your own, you will be stoned. Let one of your children go out there. Mom, I want to go outside and play around. Not a good thing. Yahweh is turning up the heat. And look what it says. Verse 36. I mean, not verse 36. I lost where I was. He says, everyone who profanes it will be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. And whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. Verse 17, it is a sign. It is a covenant sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. God said, it is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. While they're resting, they're in worship. God is reminding them, he's I am that I am. I'm the one who made everything. Every time you eat something, every time you drink something, every time you pick up clothing, every time you drive your car, every time you see your hairstyle, every time you see a wrinkle on my face, every time you see a frown on my face, God said, I am the one who gives all these things. 
There would be no tree if I didn't make a tree. There would be no paper if I didn't make a tree that turns into paper. Even that paper that you call money paper. He wanted Israel to know, I am that I am. I make everything. Reflect on this. Reflect on who I am. When you get out of the bed in the morning, it is God who gives you your very breaths. And one day, so when we do funerals, we forget when people stop and they die. Young people, you will stand over your mother and your father and your grandfather's casket and see them in a, in a casket. Sooner or later, God says, think about these things. Don't try to deny it. I am the one that made heaven and earth. Not a big bang. That's what they tell you in the schools. That's what they tell you at the universities. God said, oh, no, there was no big bang. I am the banger. <laughs> I lit it. <laughs> I spoke it. I created it. Israel, reflect on this. There are all kinds of ideologies going around in that, in that world and in that time. So God says on that seventh day, it's a solemn day of rest. The seventh day that we see here, we see it being reflected in the Genesis 2, 3. We see the day that was blessed by God and made holy. Every time you study the word blessed in Genesis chapter 1, it is always marked with being fruitfulness, multiplication, and with fullness. You see it in Genesis 1.22 when God blessed all the birds and all the sea creatures. He says be fruitful and multiply. And then you see it in Genesis 1.28 when God blessed Adam and Eve. He says be fruitful and multiply. You see it every time God uses this word, bless it. It be fruitful and multiply. Receive this fullness. Be refreshed in all of who God is. So the seventh day is not only to be a day of physical resting from the labors of the six days, but also and primarily it is to be a holy resting. The Sabbath is a day of worship and spiritual Resting, a day to receive the blessings that God particularly promises to those who draw near to him in worship on that day. When Israel gathered on the Sabbath day, they worshiped God. They bowed down before him. God didn't want that day to be profane. He wanted his people to reflect on who he was. The Sabbath day served as a sign of God's continuing intention and willingness to bless and spiritually refresh his covenant people when they draw near to him weekly in Sabbath worship. It was holy. It was set apart. We see that in creation. Genesis 2. The Sabbath day also points and reminds Israel who it was that came to Egypt and delivered them from their sins. You know what we do every Sunday? I'm trying to remind you who it is that does the saving. Because by Tuesday, you've already defaulted back into man-saving techniques. And then I have to remind you again it is only Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God, who died on this old rugged cross on Golgotha Hill 2,000 years ago. He is the only one that can save you from your sins. He's the only one that can regulate that heart and that mind. He's the only one that can save your children and your grandchildren. You can send them to the psychology and the counselor, and that's okay. Use those things. But I'm here to tell you, there's only one 
There's only one who sits on that throne that can save a sinner, that can save a wretched man, woman, or man. There's only one who can do that. And that is Jesus the Christ. So that seventh day is a sign. It points and it reminds Israel of who it was that delivered them out of Egypt. And the God who has pledged to sanctify them and to make them holy by his grace. Though the Sabbath is a sign of the Mosaic covenant given at Mount Sinai, its foundations in Genesis lie in the creation order itself. And therefore, it is for all, not just for Israel, it is for all human beings in all times and in all places of the world. So let me break away from the text for a second and see how this plays out in our world. What happens to humans when they disobey the creative order of working six days? Some of us, we just, you go to an interview, the guy interviews, say, no, you got to work on Sundays. Now, I learned this early on. I said, man, you know, I came out the world, man, I was messed up. This guy y'all see now, this was not the guy 35 years ago. I was a bad dude. <laughs> Sometimes we got to just, that's why we have to do testimonies to tell folks how we, what we used to be. And I would get these jobs, office credits, and say, brother, uh, uh, just, we need you to work on Sunday. Oh, no. <laughs> Man, I got to be somewhere here in the word of God. Because if I go back to what I used to be, I'm going to be messed up from the floor up. <laughs> so I turned down some really good paying jobs back in the early days. Some of you, how much are you going to pay me? 30 bucks an hour. <sighs> Urban Hope can get it. <laughs> See me later, alligator. <laughs> After a while, crocodile. <laughs> but let me give you the facts. See how this stuff works out in our, in our world when people dishonor the six days you shall work, one day God says, devote it to me. So the slide, put it up, Joe. Here we go. Regular attending religious service associated with lower risk of deaths of despair. Harvard T. Chan School of Public Health, May 6, 2020, Boston, Massachusetts. People who attended religious services at least once a week, people who come to church Lord's Day every Sunday, once a week, were significantly less likely to die. Woo! From depths of despair. Lucifer loved getting them folks all by themselves. Kill yourself. Come on, be with me. It's hotter than it is in the Birmingham. <laughs> Come on down here with me. Suicide, drug overdose, and alcohol poisoning, according to the new research led by Harvard T. Chan School of Public Health. The studies show that the association between service attendance and lower risk of deaths from despair was somewhat stronger for women than for men. Next slide. The study authors noted that religious participation may serve as an important antidote to despair and an asset for sustaining a sense of hope. You come through those doors. You're, be, you're being told who God is. Your friends, your family, your alcoholic buddies, those drinking lean, smoking weed, they're hurting. They're not going to tell you nothing. So you're just piling hurt and pain on top of hurt and pain. But those who make their way to the house of the Lord, it's an antidote to their despair and an asset for sustaining a sense of hope and meaning that you were made by God, created by God, that he made you for a purpose. Your friends may not tell you that, but Pastor Alton will tell you that. 
that you're not supposed to be looking to die at 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. goes on to say he also wrote that religion may be associated with strengthening psychological resilience by fostering a sense of peace and positive outlook and promoting social connectedness. Can't get that from Facebook. No matter how much you post. How much you post on TikTok, Nick Knock, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, you're not going to get it. It's something about human touch. Being able to see my, my wrinkles, my bald head and gray hairs when I don't shave it in two days. So you can see it. When people don't honor God in his creative order. All right, now switching gears. I'm going to go to 1210. Brother Dion had, he got long-winded today. The Holy Spirit hit him. He prayed a little longer than he normally do. So he took up about 10 minutes of my preaching time. So if you're going to be mad, be, be mad at Pastor Dion. Here we go. Say, I know the question that many of you are thinking today and pondering. Because I know I would if I was hearing this right now in your heart, in mine. Here's the question that some of you are probably thinking if not all of you. Why are we not meeting and doing worship services, Pastor Hardy, on Saturday? That's the seventh day, bro. Now I can count. If you said the sixth day is Friday and the seventh day is Saturday, then we're on Sunday. Great question. Glad you asked. So why are we worshiping on Sunday which is called the Lord's Day. So let me try answering these very important questions in all of your, that's going on in all of your heads, because I know you're thinking that. Here we go. So bear with me. Matthew 5, 17, NLT version, Jesus says this. He says, don't misunderstand why I have, why I have come, Jesus says. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. Jesus said, I did not come to abolish them. No, he says, I came to accomplish their purpose. I came to fulfill them. All right, keep going. In Romans 10, verse 3 and 4, Apostle Paul is writing this, referring to the Israelites, the children, the children of, of Abraham by kindred, relationship. He says, verse 3, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God, and seeking to establish their own, talking about the children of Israel, they did not submit to God's righteousness, Paul says. Verse 4, here he goes. For Christ is the end of the law. Of, for righteousness to everyone who believes. So Paul says, for Christ, Jesus the Christ, he is the end of the law. Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law. But I came to fulfill the purpose of the law. And Paul says Jesus is the end of the law. For righteousness to everyone who believes. Back to Matthew again. Jesus kept the Sabbath. He did not profane it. He did not dishonor it. Every Sabbath day, when you read the Gospels, you find Jesus where? In the synagogues, teaching, preaching, healing people, and everything else. So he did not dishonor the Sabbath. He honored it. But in Matthew 12, verse 8, Jesus makes this profound statement. He says, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Okay. Keep going. Now in Luke 24, 27, Jesus makes another profound statement after he had risen from the grave, the resurrection. And it says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets. Remember, Moses gave us the Ten Commandments. He gave us the, the law. And he said, in the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them 
in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus pulled back the scriptures and he just waxed eloquently in their minds on how the old pointed to him. Stay with me. Because you're asking, man, you just feared me up, Pastor, because I, you know, the, the Hebrew, Hebrew lights already told me I'm already supposed to be doing church on Saturday, the seven day Adventist people. So now you over here preaching about it being the day God has set apart. Maybe they right. Stay with me. I'm going to get to it. Why are we meeting on this day, the Lord's day? Great questions to have in your mind. Here it is. According to the New Testament that you have, we all have it in our Bible, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is a dividing line in human history. Nothing like it. It's a new creation. That's why when you believe in Christ, what does first, first Corinthians 5, 17 says? If any man be in Christ, he's a what? All right, stay with me. According to what we know, Jesus coming up from the grave. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ doesn't come from that grave, mic drop, I'm, meet me at Walmart, and I'll get the barefoot cheap wine, and we can be, drink and be merry. Because this is all for naught if Jesus didn't come up from that grave. So we know that the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is a dividing line in human history. And as such, it cannot but have implications for the Sabbath. What do we say around here all the time? The God that we serve is not a God of osmosis. Nothing just happens. So here we go. Do you not know that according to the scriptures, that every time Jesus met with his disciples after his resurrection, that that day was what day, Chad? Sunday, which is what? Sabbath, the first day of the week. So every time he's meeting with them, when the women ran to the tomb, guess what day it was? It was Sunday. It was the first day. So God planned his own resurrection from the beginning of eternity, and he chose the first day of the week to do it. You can't tell me that was by osmosis or happenstance. He's working everything out according to his counsel of his own goodwill. And just by happenstance, every time we read after his resurrection, he's showing up on the first day. And it just so happens to be Sunday, the first day of the week. Stay with me. He planned his resurrection on the first day which we now call the Lord's Day. And what we know from church history, when the church got birth, Pentecost, they met, and we've been meeting ever since, on the first day of the week. It's throughout the New Testament. Paul said when you meet together, 1 Corinthians 16, to gather the collections on the first day of the week. First John, I mean, John, on the first day, on the Lord's Day, he saw him for who he was. Keep going. Here's my point. I got five more minutes. But there is something much greater than just worshiping on the Lord's day. The true Sabbath is knowing and resting in Jesus, who is the Lord of the Sabbath, where we find true, everlasting, eternal rest. Turn with me in Hebrews, page 1189, then I'm going to be done here. This is my last few scriptures. Now I got to get it done. Bear with me. I said before, blame Dion. <laughs> Here we go, because this is important. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Hebrews 12, Hebrews 3, page 1189, it says, starting with verse 
um, starting with verse 12, here he is. He says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. And as it has said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Talking about those who came out of Egypt, they got baptized into the Red Sea as into Moses. And he says, those are the people. He said, was it not all those who left Egypt, led by Moses, and with whom was the he provoked for 40 years, was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, stay with that, that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable, here it is, they were unable to enter because of unbelief. So they were baptized. They were circumcised. This is why you got to be very careful when people tell you that baptism saves. They came through. They were in the covenant community of faith, but they didn't have no real faith in Yahweh. They didn't believe anything he said. How many of you know people who have been baptized, say I got baptized at 12 and live like Lucifer for the rest of their days? Raise your hands if you know people like that. Be careful with that. They came through. They were circumcised. They came through the Red Sea. But they never believed what Moses was telling them. Joe, put my slide up. This is important. I always tell you, what is religion? In the sense of religion, meaning all the religions of the world. Man-made systems that we try to erect to save ourselves. It's always upon me. What we're saying here in baptism, we're saying Kerrigan can't save herself. Who needs to act first in order for Kerrigan to be saved? Okay. How many people think they got to get saved? I got to do it myself. Let me put on the right clothing. Man, you can have on the best clothing, the best Louis Vuitton. The best Gucci, Lucy, Uchi, whatever you want to call it. And still bust H-E-L wide open, as my mom would say, flying down like a 48-inch jet. No way, Jose, can you save yourself. Failure of self-righteousness. Checklist, I got to do this, I got to do that. Ends at my feet. My obedience, I got to obey. I gotta obey. I'm gonna, I gotta, oh, I'm gonna do it on my own strength. I'm gonna stop eating pork. I'm not gonna ever eat out with Pastor Hardy eating ribs again. Because the Jews didn't eat no pork, so I'm not gonna eat no pork. So I can stop eating pork, then God gonna like me better. I went down that road for about two or three years, man. I said, man, now give me my pork back. I, I, no, no, man, I'm gonna eat me some sausage. Chad, what's that kind of sausage you turned me on to? Do we like it at the men's retreat? Yeah, connected. I've never heard. We don't have it in Grand Rapids, man. I, man, I love me some connected sausage, bro. It's thick, it's meaty, and it's all pork. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> That's religion. But look at what faith is in Jesus. It ends at Jesus' feet. It's about relationship. He's loved us first in order for us to love him back. And we get true rest. We become a child of God. My obedience is only possible as a result of whose faithfulness? God's faithfulness. This is why I told the preaching team, please do not try to tell people, try harder and keep God's commands. No, point them to Jesus. The law was given to point us to Christ. Now back to Hebrews and I'm done. Four. This is important. Hebrews 4 says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Verse 2, For the good news came to, to us just as to them. The good news is talking about the gospel. It came to them in the wilderness just as it did to them. 
but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listen. For we who have believed enter that rest as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they should not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, where did Jesus say when he was dying on the cross? What did he say? What was one of the seven last sayings of Jesus? He says, it is what? Finish. It is finished. Believe the message of the gospel. It is finished. Stop trying to climb up to him and believe the message of the cross. It is finished. And then the writer of Hebrew goes on. They shall not enter my rest. In verse 5. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it and those who formerly received the good news, they heard the gospel, but they failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. I ask the Holy Spirit, what does it mean to harden our hearts? What does that mean? You know what it means? Joe, put that slide back up. You know what it means to harden your heart? Go read the gospel with the scribes and Pharisees. They were self-righteous. They thought they could save themselves. You know how you know if you're hurting your heart here today? You think in your own mind that if I just be good enough, if I just do the right thing, if I just come to church occasionally, sometimes give some money, if I just do this or that, that that's what's going to save me. That's not the gospel. The gospel is you believe what Jesus Christ has done. Do you believe that? Hurting your heart means you keep thinking that God's going to accept you because you didn't sleep with your girlfriend one day out of the week. Preach somebody. <laughs> well, God, I didn't do it today. <laughs> no, 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 no. They hurt their hearts. Verse 8, for if Joshua had given them rest, God wouldn't have spoken of another day later on. Verse 9, so then there remains a separate rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest also rested from his works as God did from his. And then in verse 11, here it goes. He said, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Paul says, we got to work out our faith, our salvation with fear and trembling. Strive. You fight. Fight the good fight of faith. And being a part of the corporate worship each and every Lord's Day is a part of that. That's why I had Dion do Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. We need to spur each other on. Hey, man, stop sinning. Hey, man, I see you've been with your girlfriend for two years. What's the, what's the next plan? We just going to do this, this dance? I know it's what they're doing in Fairfield, but God's going to judge that. God's going to judge all sinners and fornicators. And, and guess what? Look at me. And he's not playing. And he's not winking. Folks going to stand in front of him, and they're going to give an account. So we spur each other on. Hey, stop sinning. Hey, get out of sin. Live right. Live for God. Don't keep eating with people who say, I'm just going to disobey God. No, they're going to recur to the judgment of God. He's holy. He's not playing. He's not mumbling. He's not stuttering like I do. He's serious about what he says. Run to Jesus. Because God tells us it is him through his word. John says it is through his word that he does what? That he sanctifies he sanctifies us. What does that mean? He makes you holy. He puts his word on the inside. And then you begin to live it on the outside. He sanctifies you and I. From the top of our head to the soles of our feet. He is the one that makes you holy. You can't make yourself holy. Jesus makes you holy by putting his word in your heart. 
we strive, and I end here, we strive to enter into that rest. And Lord, we, we want to strive. We fight. We're not perfect here at Urban Hope, but Lord, we're, we want to live for you. We want to become whatever you've called us to be. We want to stop sucking and jiving. We want to stop playing church and be the church. Lord, we want to live the life that you've called us to live. Because we know, Lord God, you've set a day for some of us. And Lord, we're not going to make it a 50. Some of us, we, we don't know what day you've called for us to go home. You, we don't know when our, day, when our number will be called. So, Lord, we want to be ready now. We want to be living with urgency about who you are and what you've called us to be in this day. Not tomorrow, but today. We don't want to harden our hearts. Well, I can get it right tomorrow. I can get it right next Sunday. No, Lord, we want to get it right right now. And so, Lord, all over this room, there may be someone here who said, Lord, I never heard a message like this. I want to get right with Jesus. I just feel him tugging at my heart says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm a sinner and I need your grace. If I died right now, I don't know where I would be. But, Lord, I want to be certain that if I die, that I know that I have on Jesus' righteousness and not my own. So, Holy Spirit, all over the room, prick hearts. Touch them, Lord. Bring them to save and salvation who you are. We thank you for it now. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Urban Hope Podcast. For more information, visit www.urbanhopecc.com.